Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Join us today as we explore the Word, giving insightful solutions for day-to-day living. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now on to today's message. Trust me. I've read this multiple times. And every time I read James, I get something new out of it. You know, what kind of happens is... I fall apart. Now, I don't cry and, you know, like a baby and all that. I don't do that. But I fall apart from the inside out. And here's what happens. As you go through life every day, work, you name it, whatever the case may be, we start hearing opinions and, and different views and facts and some of the things we used to believe or we think is scripture kind of disappear. And we think more of like... Well, maybe the, isn't, maybe the Bible isn't as good as it may say. Maybe we're missing something. There's always something out there trying to derail us from the, the Word of God. There's so many things pulling at us differently. Myself included, we're all victim to this. Because we've got so much going on in our lives that we need to kind of refocus. And James is just that book. And here's what I like about James. If the Bible is a chisel... James is like the sharp edge of the chisel. Because James is right to the point. He doesn't play games. He doesn't sit there and discuss theology and all this stuff that would put you to sleep. Back in the old days, the first century church, old days, they used to read the whole chapter of James, the whole, the whole book. We're not going to do that today, I promise you, because we'll be here four hours if we do that. However, we're just doing James chapter 1 today, and it's going to be so... It's so important to me. So I hope it'll be important to you. It is so bold. If you ever read any of Paul's epistles, you'll notice in his greeting, it's like, like two paragraphs. He can't be sure. He's like, yeah, from here. And, then, and he just goes on and on. But James is why I love him. He's to and from. And that's it. To and from. So you know he's getting right to the point. He's got business to take care of. Now let me kind of paint a picture a little bit of what's going on here. In James, in this time frame, the church is being persecuted severely. They're being pushed out of Jerusalem, out to the surrounding areas and regions. They meet in places that are barely called homes that tend to be a temporarily a church. Could you imagine us moving church every Sunday because we don't want to get persecuted? Well, this is what James is dealing with in here. And not only is he dealing with that, there's a whole lot of stuff going on politically, within the churches, between the Jewish and the Christians, and he's here to set the record straight. And so James is there to do that. James is so bold that I even had to wear my cowboy boots today. I only pull these out on special occasions. And today is one of those because James is amazing. And one thing I also want to tell you about is James is actually a half-brother of Jesus. Now, I have two half-brothers myself. None of them are Jesus. But I do, you know, I just, just want to clarify. So I do have some connection there. So what's important about this is when you notice in verse 1, he talks about, I'm a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ and Savior. He doesn't say, hey, my bro, my brother Jesus. He puts himself as a slave of Christ. Now, if you know, James didn't necessarily believe that Jesus was who he said he was. It wasn't probably until after he died and resurrected and ascended to heaven where he realized, aha. You ever had the moment, that aha moment? I probably would have hit James pretty hard there. He was dead, now he's alive. I think that became pretty convincing to me yeah. as his brother. And here's something I want you to think about as we go through James. How many of you have brothers and sisters in here? 
Don't have half-brothers. Everybody qualifies. See, I got you all there. Because you all have to raise your hand for that just about. Anyway, imagine watching your little brother or your bigger brother, in this case, growing up ahead of you. Watching things they do. You know, my kids fight all the time. So I can't, I don't, I'm, Jesus was sinless. He was perfect. I get that. But being the brother of Jesus, you get to see the things, so many things that in Jesus' life that we don't get to even read in Scripture. So James got this whole life that he's dealing with. So when we go through James, think about the relationship they had as a brother first. He was first his half-brother, and then he became his Lord. It's amazing. So go ahead and, uh, if you haven't yet, grab your Bible and go to uh, James chapter 1. Give you all a second here. All right, so I'm beginning. It's kind of what I talked a little bit here. And verse 1 says, This letter is from James, a slave of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. I am writing to the twelve tribes, the Jewish believers scattered abroad, and greetings. And that's it. That's all he says. And then he moves on to, okay, now listen up. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, not let it go. I have girls that sing that and it drives me crazy. It's let it grow. I just want to input that. Sorry, I just want I had to clarify that. Let it grow. For when you in, your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. When he's saying perfect, he's not saying, guess what, you're going to go out and be perfect. If you just read these words, you're going to be perfect. Now, I want you, when perfect, he's talking about kind of like a fruit of a tree. But seeds in the ground, and it grows, it takes a process, it happens. The fruit starts to grow and blossom. You can't eat it yet. It's not ripe yet. So it's a process. When he's talking about perfect, he's talking about the ripening of your spiritual growth. Of that fruit. Although it may look good, but not always the best time to eat it. If you ever ate something like that, you'll know it's not tasty. But when you're freshly ripened, and God has got that touch on you, and you've been through the whole process of growth, then, as this is your guide, then... That growth, you're right. That perfect knowledge you have is God's word. Because God's word is perfect. Because of that, we can be like that tree, that fruit that grows and ripens. Let's continue on here. Verse 5, he says, If you need wisdom, ask in our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, Be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. That's nada, zero, zilch in our language. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world. And they are unstable in everything they do. That's a huge chunk of scripture. We're going to unpack that just a little bit. Some talking about gaining wisdom. If you ask, you will receive. God will give you. He wants to bless you. He's a giver of wisdom. 
He's a grizzly of patience, mercy, love, and obviously salvation. He gives us all these gifts and he keeps on giving even when we're not expecting. Don't think that when we ask God for something, he doesn't know what's coming. Believe me, if I knew what my kids were asking me before it was coming, I'd be ready. It doesn't work that way. God knows the beginning and to the end. And he's the, there's no wisdom beyond him. So if you want wisdom, you want to gain something, ask it from God. But there's a trick. Really a trick. It says here, Sure that your faith is alone in God. God has given us one soul, not two souls. He didn't give us a soul for the world and a soul for him. He gave us one soul in an entirety. It's the eternal soul. Which he has blessed every single person here with. So we need to love him with that whole soul. If we become a double-minded man, I like to use that expression. It's basically you neither affirm... But then you deny. So you kind of affirm, yeah, God can do this. But yeah, I don't think he really can. You'd be like me preaching and saying, God is your salvation and your savior, but I really don't think he is. That's a dangerous place to be. It says if you have that mindset, do not expect to get what you're asking for. Now, don't be asking for that BMW. If you want, you know, cool, I don't know, God knows you want it. But however, whatever it is you need, God knows. In this case, he's talking about wisdom. And why is he asking wisdom? We'll get to that in a little bit and you'll see why. So let's continue on here. Uh, moving into verse 9. Believers who are poor have something to boast about. For God has honored them. And those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They will fade away like a little flower in the field. The hot sun rises and the grass withers. The little flower droops and falls. And its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all of their achievements. There's nothing we can achieve apart from God that's going to be worth anything. It may look good on the surface. It may look good to CNN or whatever. I'm, not, I'm just throwing that out there, y'all. But it's not. Without God, it's not. God gives wealth in many different ways. But here's something I want to point out to you, and I put this in my notes here. And if you want to write this down, I'm telling you, this is huge. Grab this and write this down, and I'll even go slow here to make sure we get this. God gives more than a poor man can lack, and more than a rich man could ever possess. It's pretty heavy. I believe that. God wants to know if you believe that. Go on verse 12. He says, God blesses those who patiently, that's a key word there, patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised those who love him. And remember, when you say you are being tempted, do not say God has tempted me. God never tempted, is never tempted to do wrong. And he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. 
death is a very strong and scary thing. What we're talking about here is spiritual death. I want to show you, explain one thing. God cannot tempt you. God does not tempt you. He cannot be tempted. He's too holy. He'll never succumb to temptation. God does not tempt you. So we can't say, God has tempted me. He's tempted me. No, that comes from us. That's our own flesh, our own desires, how we deal with things, how we work with the, through the issues, whatever it may be. That is us. That's our desires. Grab us by the collar and neck like my mama used to do. Like right here. I mean, like she got a good grip too. Like that's why my shirts were stretched out. But let me tell you, that's serious. One thing I want you to take away from this. There's a difference between temptation and sin. Now, I was sitting in that very, well, not this chair, over in Chesterfield at the time, but I was sitting in the same place you may be right now. And I was like, man, I can never serve God. I can never do anything because I am a sinner and I just can't do it. My trials are too heavy. My life is just falling apart. I'm too in the world. I'm being tempted in every direction. But I heard Pastor Kevin say, and God bless that man, he, he, he just really spoke some love and, and, and a message I need to hear. Guess what? Temptation, and he, he writes this down, folks. Temptation is not sin. Let me say that again. Temptation is not sin. We're going to be tempted from birth to death. We're going to be tempted. The key here is acting on a temptation, then that temptation no longer becomes just a thought, it becomes an action, and now you are sinning. So when that temptation comes, and you give way to that temptation, I know very well that God in this word says, He will provide you a way out. So just know that when you're being tempted, you're not sinning. How you respond with that temptation, or how you respond to it, or if you get that, that's temptation. A good example is this when trials come your way and you're trying to find a better way to do it and instead of turning to God's word and the Holy Spirit to guide you, you turn to your coworker at work or somebody who doesn't have the knowledge of God, who doesn't, when well, you listen to Dr. Phil or Oprah Winfrey or something like that, God's word is clear. This is how we learn. Just as a manual for life. God would not write this if we did not need a manual for life. If you're like me, I don't always read the manuals. My wife lets me, did you read the manual? No. So, that's a shameless plug right there. Read the manuals. But this is our manual for life. Let's move on to um, 16. He says, So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us His true Word. And we, out of all creation, became His prized possession. Do you know, out of all of God's creation, do you realize what He's saying there? The heavens, the angels... The things we can't even touch or see that God has created. We are His prized possessions. When He talks about salvation and going through trials, He's right there with us. But, it's like that little kid that if you hold on to their hand, 
and you, and you let go, they're going to wander off. But if you hold on tight to God's hand and he's not going to let you go, you have let go. Then that changes. Then you feel God may not be with you, but he is with you. You just left him. Go back to where you were at and you left him and pick him back up again because he's waiting for you. Prize possessions. In verse 19 he says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts. For it has the power to save your souls. The power to save your souls. Everything all good and inspiring comes from God the Father, nobody else. This message that I bring today is good because not because I'm super. Because God is super. Because God, His word is true. And this is what we live by. If God, and I'm going to go back one step. If God didn't care about you, and He wanted to tempt you and do everything else and get you with would He not be nullifying His work? His very purpose for us, if He was to, to, to leave us, go through these trials ourselves, to not be there for us, and just say, well, they'll figure it out. That'd be nullifying His work. It's like working for a paycheck, but not really accepting a paycheck. It's like, I'm going to work all week for you, but don't pay me. Now, if you do, that's great. Awesome. I'm sure your employer would love that. But Jesus is very specific. We covered a few things already. Prized possessions, temptations, trials, all these things we're going to go through. And God is there to help us through it. Go to verse 19. He said, understand this. Go back one. This is a powerful passage there. That's why I'm going back to it, I guess. But we'll go back, sorry. 22. But don't just listen to God's word. Don't just hear what I tell you. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully carefully into the perfect law that sets you free. God's word. And if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Don't take what you hear on Sunday and forget about it on Monday. Don't hear which, don't take what you hear on Sunday and forget about it on Monday. But, just to let you know, we do have Wednesday night services, uh, you know, uh, small groups. You can get a Wednesday too. So you can hear the word Sunday, Wednesday, and then Sunday again. Can I get amen? Everybody in small group said hallelujah. I'll tell you what, that small group, and I just want to throw this out there, really helped me and any of us get through life daily. That middle of the week, you need that extra shot of grace in your arm, and, and patience, and love, and you get it. So just throwing that out there at you. No, it wasn't notes. That's free. And then finally, 
In 26 it says, if you claim to be religious, that's a dangerous word, be careful with that. If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself, and religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows and their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Now, in James' time, what they're dealing with is if you were a woman and you were widowed, which happened very often because the men succumbed to death a lot sooner, they were left with nothing. They can, they can come in and just take their land and do everything. And there was no social security. There was no welfare. There was no nothing. There was no food pantry. There wasn't anything. The government, all they wanted is their taxes, their Rome and rule, and their, that's all they wanted you to know. That's it. They didn't care about what happened as long as you're paying. So the job of the church was to help these orphans and widows. We don't want fatherless children growing up. We see how that works out. God doesn't want us. We're not fatherless. None of us are. And that's what he's trying to tell these believers. Take care of the orphans because God loves them just like he loves you. So that's key. So the big, big ideal, if you haven't got it yet, I'm going to look at your notes. I'm going to go through this here. Is when, is when you're facing trials, never give up. Never give in. Don't give up. God didn't give it. Did he, did, here's, here's how I look at this. When Jesus was getting beaten and tortured and crucified, they said, that's, just, that's too tough. I'm going to step back and I would just throw some rain on him, some holy rain, whatever you want to call it, and let's just do it the easy way. He did not hesitate. He did not argue. He did not give in to the pain that he was suffering. He went to the cross on his own free will. So when we come across temptation, and we come across trials, I don't know what you're facing this morning. I don't. It could be relationships. It could be financial. It could be kids. It could be, I mean, death in the family. It's all harsh things. But God says, don't give in. I'm with you. Don't give in. I'm with you. He is with you. When your back is against the wall, the feet are solid in place, and you can't go. You've got the support of the Father. Remember what you're standing on. If you're standing on the Word of God, you're standing on His love, that's going to get you through. Every time. How do we not give up or give in during tough season? Let's go look through your notes here. First point. Get a divine perspective. Everybody say that with me. Come on. Get a divine perspective. One more time. Get a divine perspective. Why? Because guess what? Those talk show hosts, those radios, the newest book on the shelf, it's not going to do it for you. You've got to get a divine perspective. The only divine perspective you're going to get is through God and His Word. We have brothers and sisters sitting right next to you that are believers. And sometimes we need to hold out to the hand and just reach to our neighbor and say, God loves you. I'm going to pray with you. You're going to overcome this mountain. Why? Because God loves you. Get divine perspective. What does God's word say about your situation? That's important. Not what Facebook says. Not what social media. What does God say about your situation? If you need wisdom, 
As we read 1 5 again, you're going to hear this twice. Why? Because it's so important. James 1 5, he says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. And he will not rebuke you for asking. God does not, he does like, oh, here he is again. We just did this last week. No, he's like, I got this. I got this. He's got that. In James 1, 13-15, he says, And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God has tempted me. God has never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when, he is, when his sin is allowed to grow, he gives birth to death. And we talked about the spiritual death. I mean, some right now, I know I'm being tempted for a cheeseburger and... Pickles and onion, not onions, but that's bad breath. But you know, I'm really, I'm, I'm tempted to just, hey, Pastor Mark, take over for me. I'm gonna grab me a cheeseburger from McDonald's or something. All right, because we, I'm not thinking. I wouldn't be thinking clearly if I gave into that and I came back and Pastor Mark was preaching. I was eating a cheeseburger up front here. I was okay, I'm curious. What, I might do that one day. I'm just curious what he's gonna do. But just think about it. The temptations that you're facing, there is a way out. You don't have to act on those. You don't have to respond. Don't give in to the peer pressure. I know it's not elementary school. But the same thing applies then as it does now. Actually, I think it affects some of the adults more than it does some of the children. Alright, enough of that. You love me still? I'm not... Yes? Alright, good. Last point. After the worship team would come up. Put God's word into practice. Right? Put God's word in the practice. If a doctor is a doctor and he can do what he's supposed to do, he pays hundreds and thousands of dollars to go to college and you pay that to get help. If, if, if he sits there and says, nope, I'm not doing this today, you're going to lose hope. He's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's not doing what he's trained to do. He's not doing his commission. But God has commissioned us as believers to act on his behalf. Here's something important. I want you to think about this. When our mouth gets away from us, when our trials are just, our trials are just too heavy, and you just feel like a truck is on you, when you feel that there's no hope, do not give in. Because God Hear me loud and clear. God is there with the helping hand. He will get you through that trial. He will get you onto the next phase of your life. I want you to think about this. Pastor Mark was talking a little bit about birth. Being a Christian is like being born again. It's like it's birth, which is very painful. I know I've had three of them. My wife did. I was just there. Okay. But, but it's painful. And I can see that pain on her face. But when it was done and it was over, and this is for those having babies. Alright. When it was done and over, guess what? It was the greatest moment in our lives. It was so amazing. We came through this beautiful baby that God blessed us with. And my God, was it great. And it's something that God gives the ability to create life. Does that excite you? Life is so important. And that's why the trials are there. We can't get rid of them. But we can go through them. 
We can get through them. How? Because God is there with us. And when you come through these trials, guess what? <laughs> you can look back and like, wow, God, that was awesome. Now, I mean, I think about that at times. You get a little pain afterwards, but the healing is always better. And that's what God is. I struggled with this in my past with history and time, and this is me just being beyond being real with y'all. God moved me from my place of unrighteousness. And I've been in church my whole time, my whole life as a boy. But I've seen what happens when we leave God out of the family. Parents got divorced. We were homeless. We lived in a bus in a parking lot. You want to talk about trials? My trials are no different than yours. No matter how important somebody else's may seem more than yours, oh man, they've really been through it. But you know what? When they see you go through that trial and you succeed and you get past that and God is what he's done in your life, your testimony is going to be so strong. Your faith will be so real and so bold that God is going to use you in a great, mighty way. If you're here today you want to be used by God, just raise your hand. If you want to be used by God, raise your hand. That should be every hand in here. Let God use you. Let the trials you're facing, I don't know what they are, take them off. Let that luggage lay on the side of the road and move forward on your life. Yeah, there's going to be some curvy roads ahead, some bumpy paths. But let me assure you, God already sees that. He's your radar for life. He's your vision before the, the incident. He's your vision through these trials. If you would to me today, if you all just bow your head and close your eyes. If you're here today and you're facing trials and you're like, God, I need you. If you're here right now and God is just speaking to you and you're crying inside and you just can't get rid of it, take this opportunity to do so. There's no shame in it. We all, I go through trials. Pastor Mark goes through trials. Pastor Kevin goes through trials. None of us are any holier than you. We all have trials. We're all susceptible to these trials. If you're here today, I want you to raise your hand. If you have a trial, raise your hand. Amen. Amen. I have my own. If you have trials, raise your hand. I know everybody's here facing something. Raise your hand. That's it. We're going to pray today as a church, as a body of Christ. And we're going to pray that God takes that trial from you. And he just removes it from your life and puts the love and the hope and the faith that he instills. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. As a matter of fact, everybody just look up. Look to the ceiling. I want you to look. Just look at God right now. Just look. He's up there. He's there waiting for you. Just, just lift your hands up. Lord, I'm here with you. God, I ask you to take these trials in my life. And you take them on you, Father. They're too heavy for me to bear. Lord, I need you to come into my life and just remove these from me. Though we all have trials and faces, Lord, we know that you're greater than them. Lord, you know that you'll take us through it. Lord, just give us that faith that we need. That last straw that breaks our back. Lord, just take that from us. Father, we give it to you right now, Lord. Jesus, help us. The trials are in your hands, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's go ahead and bow your eyes. Close your, close your eyes, bow your heads. If you're here today, and you don't know Jesus Christ, your personal Savior. You don't know the love and the grace and the mercy that God will put at your feet. He brings it to you. You don't have to go and get it. You're already facing trials. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, and you want to know Him and see how He can get you the trials, 
and let the Holy Spirit indwell in you and move forward that. If you're here today and that's you, do not leave this place this morning without accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. The prayer team will be here up here at the end. If you don't do it now, do it with them. Do it with somebody. Just don't leave here today without accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you're here and that's you, I'm going to ask you the boldest thing that you've ever done in your whole life. I'm asking you to raise your hand right where you're at. Just raise your hand. If you're here today, anybody at all, and you need Jesus Christ in your life and you need him now, amen, I see the hand. Anybody else? Jesus is here. He's waiting. Don't, don't miss this opportunity. You don't know when you'll get the next one. If you're here today and Jesus is in your life and you want him in your life, this is for you. Anybody else? Raise your hand. Anybody else? If you're here, as you raise your hand, you said, I want to know Jesus Christ, my personal Savior. I want him to be my Lord. Say this prayer. Repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I ask, Father, for you to come into my life. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I ask that you come and take that sin from me. Lord, I ask you to change my life all the days I have left. And I know, Father, that if I were to die today, that Jesus Christ died on the cross, He resurrected, and His blood covers my sins. And Jesus, I thank you today for saving my soul. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're here today, let's clap. Somebody accept Jesus Christ your Savior today. That is amazing. That is amazing. It's a new path. It's a new life. Don't forget it. As the band plays a song, I want you all to just think about what we talked about today. Think about how God's working. Don't get up and just leave right away. Let, let God speak to your heart and just reflect for, for just a minute. And we'll be out here in a little bit.